This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado, The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. Blue Wire. With the second pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky stepping up, fires down the sideline. Robinson makes the catch. From the Raiders to the Bears, Khalil Mack, now officially in Chicago. Brought down, Khalil Mack. Welcome to the Chicago Shuffle podcast on the third victory Sunday in a row. I'm your host, Zach Lee, here on a Sunday night to recap what are is an uh, welcome to the chicago shuffle podcast i am your host zach lee here on a sunday night to recap yet another victory sunday yet another ridiculous bears win yet another bears opponent helping us out every chance they get but that really is a buried lead this podcast needs to begin talking about the Chicago Bears quarterback position the Mitch Trubisky era is over I'd say long live Mitch Trubisky I hope the 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 person lives a long time but as a quarterback for the Chicago Bears enough is enough we can rest We don't have to talk about him throwing left. We don't have to talk about the offensive line anymore. We don't have to talk about the play calling, the support system, the lack of separation from a wide receiver, the throw that should have gotten through. He's just not good enough to be a starting NFL quarterback. And if you needed any more evidence of that, I feel a little sorry for you. But Nick Foles came in the game and the game instantly changed. So before we get into that, before we move on to big stuff, Nick. <laughs> big stuff, Nick. It's another word for dick. Stuff. My stuff is right here. I don't know why I said that. Big dick, Nick. I'd like to start off by saying um, I really wanted Mitch Trubisky to be a good quarterback. I remember his rookie year. When you'd see the flashes, you know, and it's the John Fox offense and uh, 
you know, this kid's a rook, but man, did you see that one throw on third down? Kids got it. There's something special here. And I talked to my best buddy and, you know, he's not a Bears fan, so he's supposed to be the objective listener. And he's like, you know, man, I think you got one. I think you got one. I think, you know, just a little seasoning and the right coach and a good scheme, you know, get this guy in there. But I think you got one. And I thought so, too. I thought, look, this is just going to take a little while to develop because he didn't play much in college. Pretty raw coming out. But coach him up and you've got one. And honestly, nothing ever changed. It was always about the flashes. It was three meh plays, one good one. And it turns out that you cannot play football that way. You have to be a certain level of consistent before flash plays are worth it. The other part of this is that the flash plays were never like 60-yard bombs. They, in fact, were 10-yard completions, but they looked good. Anyways, I would just like to say that... um, I really feel bad for Mitch, who had the class and the wherewithal to stand in front of a microphone after being benched and losing his job and seeing his life as a starting quarterback in the NFL effectively end uh, and still was able to stand up and be a good teammate and um, support the decision that was made and take ownership over it. Uh, He's a good dude, and he wants it really bad. He's just not good at being a quarterback. So RIP to the Mitch Trubisky starting quarterback for the Bears era. Uh, I look forward to having him hold a clipboard and be a good teammate. And the unfortunate reality that I think we need to discuss is that Nick Foles has never finished an entire season uh, healthy, and he did get blown up on a couple different plays in the fourth quarter by a um, to-be-kind below-average Atlanta Falcon defense. And so there's every likelihood that we get another taste of Mitch sometime this year. And it won't be two-minute Mitch. And it won't be 58-minute Mitch. It will be zombie Mitch. And I, for one, am here for zombie Mitch because what pressure could possibly be left to brain lock him up if he's coming in as a backup quarterback? So that is a uh, left turn off the highway that I don't think we should discuss any further. Right now, uh, sorry to Mitch. Appreciate the efforts. It's time to move on. The draft pick is officially the worst personnel decision in franchise history, and that one hurts to say out loud. Uh, I would say it overtakes the Rick Mirror trade decision in, well, you think that was 1990? Yeah, uh, Mahomes isn't Mitch's fault. Watson isn't Mitch's fault. It's a Ryan Pace thing, and Ryan Pace is going to have to wear that one forever because he built a roster that was good enough to win and good enough to win consistently for a pocket of years, three to four years, but he picked the wrong quarterback. He had a 66.6% chance of selecting the correct quarterback, and he crapped out. So RIP to the Trubisky era, and hello to the big dick Nick era. Now, let's couch all of this in what we need to say before we get into the, oh my God, how great was that? Which is the Atlanta Falcons, uh, 
I don't know. I, I play a lot of golf. Don't know about you guys, but there's something to be said for just being in your head and kind of uh, subconsciously bringing things into existence. The Atlanta Falcons are in their head and expect to lose games late. It 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 was an incredible collapse. It was twenty six to ten Atlanta with six twenty four remaining in the fourth quarter. That's the reality. And after what happened last week and what happened in this game against a struggling Bears team that uh, had two different uh, touchdowns called back and overturned, it seems unfathomable that Atlanta would find a way to lose this game. And yet they did. Dan Quinn is not going to survive the year. I really, especially after Detroit beat Arizona today, if you can place your money on Dan Quinn being the first coach fired, I think that's probably smart money, and it's going to happen sooner rather than later. Um, I gave him two more weeks. Nick Foles is the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears now. And I know that Nagy in his press conference said, well, we're going to evaluate and talk about it tonight. But look, there's a lot of ways you can look at it. The, the first way you can look at it is just – the raw stats. So Foles comes in, 29 attempts, 16 completions, 188 yards, 6.5 average. Not that great uh, to Trubisky's 5.8. But three touchdowns, one pick to Trubisky's one TD and one pick. But let's just kind of like talk about the three touchdowns and one pick. First of all, the pick is the Allen Robinson catch, non-catch in the end zone. I, I for one... And getting a little tired of Allen Robinson getting uh, the ball wrestled away from him on a 50-50 ball. You could say that was a touchdown. I don't. I wouldn't feel good about claiming that. Either way, it's definitely not on Nick Foles. It was a great ball, and you'd expect Allen Robinson to come down with it. He didn't. He did. Whatever. It happened. So three TDs, one interception could very well be four TDs, zero interceptions, and then. There's the fourth down throw to Anthony Miller in the end zone that made me walk away from the game for a while uh, that was right where it needed to be, and Anthony Miller, with the great-slash-occasionally-awful hands, bobbled it, hit the ground, and uh, the Bears turned it over on down. So I understand that these drives don't replace one another, but Nick Foles very well could have had a five-touchdown, zero-interception day. So you cannot really look at the raw numbers and uh, think that these things are even remotely close. The next thing I would turn you to is an incredible uh, statistic from... Where'd I get it? 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 Uh, NFL Advanced Stats, which is just the spread of the ball being thrown around. If you look at Mitch Trubisky's throws down the field there is just this like super concentrated pocket of throws that are just past the line of scrimmage and just to the right it's like where every fucking throw ever goes and then there are four throws that are out of bounds and they're all his deep throws so all those are out of bounds and there's three incompletions you know up and down the field and if you just look at Foles the ball is being spread so much more around the field. You can just see that the defense has to cover boundary to boundary. There are throws to running backs in the flat. There are uh, deep outs, deep overs. 
it's just a completely different style of quarterback. And I understand it's just a game. I understand this is just coming in in the second half. But I think we've seen enough from him to know that uh, you cannot really compare the two quarterbacks as throwers. And then there's just the game management, the control of the offense, the understanding of what a defense is doing, the kills that come. And, I mean, there are a, a number of instances that, look, I, I just want to, like, go back to the one play. Uh, yeah, so this is from uh, Joey Prospects, Twitter handle. And it's a quote from uh, from Graham. Quote, Foles' execution and him taking over the kills calls was special. He was up there ad-libbing a bit, checking and changing plays. There was one play he called, and I'm like, he got that? And this is, you know, Joe Tadai again. And that's the difference under center. One guy knows how to play this game and to, to confirm what he sees on the field. And that's really what this has always been about, which is – there are these various aspects to being a quarterback and you don't have to have all of them in order to do this. And if you're a wonderful game manager, I can see the field great, but can't deliver the ball on time and on target. It doesn't matter. But when you talk about the floor of a quarterback, the first thing is just getting into the right play, making the right decision and seeing the weakness in the defense and putting them on their heels and I have full faith that Nick Foles can be that guy. Now, he's not as mobile. He uh, can be slower getting the ball out. He doesn't have as strong of an arm. And he will, on occasion, throw up a holy shit ball. He did throw a holy shit ball uh, to, I think it was late in the third quarter, uh, just over triple coverage that got through to Jimmy Graham, that Jimmy Graham then took down the field and fumbled, and Anthony Miller was smart enough to fall on. That was just... I screamed like nine times on that play. So, you know, a, a fortunate play. He he is known to chuck one up from time to time. That's just kind of how that is. But uh, his his understanding of the, the offense and his ability to find a rhythm for the offense, to convert third downs, to make the easy throw, those sorts of things that Mitch was just never able to do now are a part of the Bears' offense. And that there isn't a need for Miller or Robinson or anybody else to press the way you sensed them pressing previously when it's like Mitch finally made the throw where it needed to be. You have to catch it every time it's there because there's just no room for error. God forbid there was a drive where they lose one yard on either on a first or second down. The Bears behind the sticks, it was simply like a non-conversion. It needed to be third and four or less to feel in any way good about the uh, the Bears being able to like continue to move down the field. And that's really been the story of the year. For Mitch, not just this year, but previously, which is a lack of third down conversions and not converting in the red zone. And so this game was highlighted by just a total lack of taking advantage of opportunities. ATL was just dying to have the Bears score early on. And that's the thing that was so difficult, which is like the running game is going good. The defense turns the ball over. You don't get these opportunities all the time. And if it gets late in the game, a penalty, a field goal, a missed field goal can decide these things. When you have opportunities early on to get ahead of a bad team and send that message and allow your pass rushers to pin their ears back and allow the rushing game to go, it just changes the entire tenor of things. So we'll see where things go going forward. 
I'm excited to see him next week against an Indianapolis Colts team that uh, is quality on both sides of the ball, but um, has experienced some injuries on the defensive side. But finally, we'll get to see what it's like when the execution of the entire team is at issue, not just the quarterback. I found that interesting that, and again, against Atlanta, against Atlanta, exception, exception. But the 432 yards the Bears put up from scrimmage is the most in a regular season non-overtime game since the Tampa Bay game, the Mitch six-touchdown game, all those long years ago when we thought uh, there was still a reason to hope. Uh, My God, 432 yards of offense is an incredible number. I didn't know that was possible. The the number of weeks last year where it was in the 200s, and if we got 300, it felt like, man, we really did something on that one. It just allows so much to happen. And so, look, uh, the rushing statistics are going to be goosed by Mitch's one 45-yard run, and I really, really, really challenge you to go back to the YouTube highlights and watch that. Mitch has a full run into the middle of the end zone if he just runs. He runs like 30 yards and then starts just looking around for someone to be near and then misses a block to go back to to cut back towards the middle and then five guys converge around him. If he just ran as hard as he could to the end zone, I think he would have run right through the T in the ATL and never seen anybody and run right through the the tunnel uh, into the locker room. It was one of the most naked runs I've ever seen in my entire life, butt-ass naked. So anyways, the uh, the team rushing statistics will be goosed by that, but it's 25 rushes for 130 yards for a 5.2 average. So let's do the, the idiot math right now. Let's see, 24 rushes for 85 yards? 85 yards, 24 for 85. That's not fucking good. So they didn't run the ball all that well today, and I would predicate that, and you can look at the um, the tackle statistics, the TFL statistics for Atlanta. I think they had seven tackles for loss. They were run blitzing all day, and the reason why they did that is because they wanted Mitch to have to you know make the throws and uh, make them pay because they didn't believe he could. So there's a lot of bottling him up. Uh, I will say that uh, Montgomery did really well late to salt the game away. We can talk about that play in a little bit. But there's certainly enough there to find balance uh, to allow the Bears to throw. And now that things are wide open in the passing game, uh, I think we're going to see a little bit of change. And what was already a decent run game is going to have an opportunity to really get off. Just looking at the receiving statistics for a second, and then we'll have to take a quick break. Allen Robinson, there's a lot to talk about there. A lot. But uh, first things first, 10 receptions for 123 yards and a touchdown, 13 targets. That's what a number one receiver looks like. He's finally involved to the degree that he needs to be. And those uh, throws were spread out pretty evenly amongst Mitch and Nick. I don't have that information in front of me right now, but I saw him catching the ball all the way through the game today. uh, And he had a little bit of adversity and fought through, uh, especially on that touchdown where he just kind of kept running and Atlanta was like, man, you can, you can have that. We, we don't want that. And that was when the full meltdown, full meltdown had begun. You got Jimmy Graham, six for 60 and two touchdowns. It's so nice to have a a tight end who can catch the ball and uh, make an incredible impact in the, uh, in the red zone. It it seems impossible that Mitch hadn't been able to find him more uh, early on this season, but Nick was right on it. 
and it feels great to have him there. Still nothing for Cole Komet. Totally shut out today. Don't have the snap counts in front of me. It doesn't seem like he played all that much, and I, I do think that the Bears made a concerted effort to um, both in their personnel and who they activated because both Ted Ginn and Darnell Mooney were on the field uh, to have more deep threats on the field, to have more speed on the field, and that was just a personnel matchup sort of thing. So uh, let's see, two for 41 for Anthony Miller uh, on five targets. You know, he got that touchdown, could have had two, just still a little bit inconsistent. It'll be very interesting to see what happens now that uh, Nick Foles is in the game. Like The connection between Mitch and Anthony Miller was never able to catch fire and be consistent. And I do remember when Chase Daniel went in last year and the ball started to come out on time to be where it needed to be that Anthony Miller took off. So if you have Anthony Miller for your fantasy team, I personally would be looking for him to start putting up bigger numbers going forward. I'm not talking anything crazy, but the sort of like five catches for 80 yards and a touchdown, I think uh, you can start to expect that in Anthony Miller's future. Ted Ginn has that one critical fourth down 29-yard catch from Nick Foles. And then the next one, and I guess we should get to this now before we take a break, Tariq Cohen, three catches for 20 yards. Really, really powerful. Nick Foles loves that little check down throw to allow a, a scat back to find space and to run. That's Darren Sproles in Philly, and now it's Tariq Cohen in Chicago, unfortunately, on his punt return late in the fourth quarter, got rolled up on by a defender that was pushed into him, and the fear is that he's torn his ACL and be out for the year. And I just want to say that seeing the outpouring on social media from teammates, the amount of support they have for him, it seemed like he's more beloved than I ever really understood. And I get why. He's a really energetic dude, a really good guy, but it really kind of, I don't know, it took me aback a little bit. I didn't really understand that he was uh, that well regarded uh, in the locker room. It's a big loss, and especially a big loss given what I just said about Foles really looking for that check down scat back and putting him in a, uh, a position to get a lot of yardage after the rushes you know, past the line of scrimmage. So uh, we'll miss Tariq Cohen for this year, and it really uh, puts a spotlight on the depth at the Bears running back position. We'll talk about that in a second, but first let's break away for a little bit of advertising. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. I, I just I love saying all the capitalized things really loud, so that's going to be the nature of my read. Here you go. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you to the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire, with 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month. Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over three million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer anywhere. 
Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. Okay. So the next thing I want to talk about just a little bit is the defense and specifically the uh, rush defense. The Bears are getting gashed in the run game and it's a problem. It's going to become part of uh, opposing team scheme. And I think it was even to a certain degree today with Atlanta before they had to, I don't know if you, that you could say they had to, before they just lost their way late. But Todd Gurley, uh, 5.7 average, 14 carries for 80 yards. Brian Hill, 9 for 58 for a 6.4. That's 25 for a buck 44 and a 5.8 average and two touchdowns. And I'm telling you, that third quarter touchdown, 35-yarder, untouched to the end zone, was ugly. My good cousin, ugly. That was terrible. 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 And it's something the Bears are going to have to button up going forward. I don't know exactly who to blame. You know, my, my eyes were kind of all over the field and just sort of taking in the game. The first inclination is to look at, like, uh, you know, tackle numbers and just to see that Roquan Smith, you know, only six, Danny Trebathan only five. You know, who is it that's flowing to the ball in the run game? Uh, Eddie Goldman may, in fact, be deeply, deeply missed uh, because the Bears simply can't, con you know, consistently get off the field when uh, the run is going Matt Ryan really really struggled in the fourth quarter he ended up going 19 of 38 for 238 a 6.3 average one TD one pick I don't know man I don't know uh he looked awful he looked awful he looked quite mitchy and the only thing that changes the perception there is that Matt Ryan has been an MVP in this league he's made uh, wonderful incredible throws time and time again and uh the reputation precedes him to say that even if he had a terrible one today and really fell apart late, that it really isn't all on him. That said, from a play calling perspective, with time left, I think they had a minute 45 and two timeouts left in the final drive. Ugh, it was bad. Uh, the Bears were kind of in a prevent mode, trying to give up short passes to keep the clock moving. I might have looked to um, run a few draw plays and see if I could drag things out a little bit because the Bears were really bad you know, in base defense. I can't imagine how many yards they would have given up in the rush game. Nevertheless, Matt Ryan overthrows uh, Calvin Ridley and puts it right in Tayshawn Gibson's hands for his first <laughs> Bears interception. And it did look like his first because he grabbed it and then ran and then downed it and then ran and then had like one horrible missed high five and another horrible missed high five and then jumped and kind of hit Khalil Mack. It looked like he couldn't believe that it just happened, but he was hype. And uh, I, for one, was looking all over the field for the yellow flag because it seemed like Jerome Boger and his crew, right or wrong, you know, I understand these flags are going to get called and sometimes they're just circumstantial, but there's something about Jerome Boger and his referee crew where every time the Bears have a goddamn good play, it seems like the yellow comes out, and that's the Khalil Mack strip sack in the first half negated because Matt Ryan's head gets pulled down into Mario Edwards' oncoming rush, and it's helmet to helmet, and they overturn it. It just seems like uh, every time that guy's crew is on the call that the Bears are going to have a couple taken away. So, uh, yeah, the rush, the rushing defense is has been quite a problem, but man... If you look at some of the individual efforts on the line, the pressures were fantastic, especially late. Akeem Hicks, 
five QB hits, one and a half sacks, one tackle for loss. Hey, hey, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Hakeem Hicks, back? I'd say he's back. And if Hakeem Hicks is back, that allows Khalil Mack to do his thing. That allows these secondary rushers, uh, be it, um, you know, Bilal Nichols kind of getting in for one or Roy Robertson Harris, maybe, or dare I say it totally shut out today, Robert Quinn that we paid a hell of a lot of money for. So that is how the bears defense, especially from a rushing perspective needs to slot in. It needs to begin and end with Akeem Hicks and everything can flow from there. I know Khalil Mack is otherworldly and incredible, but he's coming off the edge and it's about being able to compress the pocket from the middle control both the rush and the pass and let everybody else kind of fold in around that. So that bodes really, really well for the bears. If Akeem Hicks is going to be this kind of monster again, the dancing bear may in fact be back. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at bet online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So let's look ahead, shall we? After one, another week of heart-stopping fourth-quarter madness, I, for one, do not foresee that next week. I foresee a fourth four-quarter affair where we can actually get a, a taste of what the Bears might be like without cardiac arrest uh, happening in the last three minutes of the fourth quarter. They uh, open as 2.5-point dogs to the Colts. I believe it's in Indianapolis, but does this even fucking matter anymore? Like, does it matter? I don't, I'm going to say no. I think there were 500 fans allowed for Atlanta today, and boy, really shaped the game late. Bears almost had to go to the silent count. I I think it doesn't matter. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say n- no. So, uh, yeah. The the oh oh, and I'm wrong. Never mind. The Bears are at home. Two point five uh, point dogs at home to the Colts. So there you go. That's what uh, Vegas thinks of the Bears at this point. And the bear raid siren <laughs> will be going off left, right, and center. So watch what that does to the, the Colts having to go to the silent count. I do know that uh, Phil Rivers in the highlights I've seen this year and kind of the general conjecture is that he's uh, doesn't really have the same zip on his fastball that he used to, and that makes him a hell of a lot more hittable than he used to be. So the hope is that we can get a couple plays on the ball, be it Eddie Jackson or Kyle Fuller. Um, I know that there are some injuries in their wide receiver core as well. Uh, the first of which is Paris Campbell, who they were looking for to be a speed element. And that bodes well because uh, Jalen Johnson, who's been wonderful to this point in the season, uh, gave, I think, five completions today and was burned deep twice, even though Matt Ryan overthrew them. So uh, really good up to this point, but kind of was in trouble against Calvin Ridley all day. So Paris Campbell out and then T.Y. Hilton in 
But I know that uh, they lost one more, one more, one more, one more. Who was it? Michael Pittman Jr., the rookie out of uh, Ohio State. So we'll see what they have from a weapon standpoint, but they've already lost Marlon Mack for the year. They've already lost uh, Paris Campbell, who they were looking forward to, and Michael Pittman. So it's really T.Y., Mo Alley-Cox, uh, Jack Doyle, their tight end, had been has been in and out with injuries for a couple of years now and has been missing games up to this point. So it's not like the Colts run out an incredible um, you know, uh, bevy of offensive weapons. It's just much more about being able to contain the run so that Phillip Rivers – is uh, has the pressure put on him to throw all over the field and make those throws that we all love him to make late in the game where he just takes risks that uh, a quarterback can't really be making. On the defensive side of the ball, I know they lost their free safety, Malik Hooker, who's known to be a ball hawk to an Achilles injury. The rest of the defense seems to be in uh, decent health, so that is the early injury report. There, from the Bears' perspective on the injury side, it looks like Tariq Cohen is the only injury to speak of Uh, I'm sure there are nicks and bruises that'll come up during the week but uh, nobody else left the game and that's an incredible run of luck just to lose Tariq uh, given what's happening across the NFL I mean I was looking at the injury report after the game today and the number of players that had to leave the field uh, it's sort of heartbreaking and um, takes you out of your enjoyment of the game a little bit but the the Bears are in that kind of really fortunate place. I was talking to my dad after the game today and referencing, I believe, let's see, maybe 2000, I think it's the 2001 bears that went 13 and three with Jim Miller at quarterback and absolute garbage, uh, really offensively. They had a really good defense because the bears and they, you know, got off the bus running the football, even though it was the, the Dick Joran era. But that was the year that Mike Brown had two, game-ending interception returns. That was the game against the Cleveland Browns where (laughs) there was a Hail Mary, deflected Hail Mary, touchdown catch to go to overtime, and then a deflected ball in the air, Mike Brown, interception return for a touchdown. It was the silliest 13-3 and year of all time. And uh, I just remember, look, when the momentum turns a certain way and ask Atlanta fans what it's like to have it turn the, the wrong direction, or a Bears fan from last year. You could just kind of sense that there was an expectation that it wasn't going to go well uh, after a certain period of failure. They're 3-0. and It doesn't really matter how they got here, especially given that the changes at the quarterback position are going to change the tenor of things going forward. They're 3-0, and and on a certain level, there's a belief growing that we're going to find a way to win this thing. And that kind of momentum matters in the NFL when these things are – largely coin flips week to week anyways and who's going to get the one lucky play or the flag or what have you that changes what is a parody league so that just to be three and oh is an incredible gift and they've earned it they've they've had a lot of fortune but also have put themselves in that place and then with the rest of the teams around across the nfl you know suffering all these injuries there's an opportunity for their schedule to look a lot easier as time goes along. And so, you know, I know it's not time to review the entire thing, but it's the Colts next week. And then they'll have a really quick turnaround to play Tampa Bay uh, in Chicago again. So it's two straight home games. There's an opportunity there, despite the fact that it's a quick turnaround, at least to like be in one place and to game plan appropriately. 
Then you've got the Panthers, who uh, look to be uh, a lower third of the league team. Um, obviously, a lot of turnover and a brand new defense, new coaching staff, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, they did beat the Chargers today, but Chargers got a Charger and a rookie quarterback who got hurt late. Then the Bears have to go to L.A. to play the Rams, and that's a troubled game. That looks like I think that's a Sunday night game as well. Uh, the Rams look to be one of the better teams in the league, given um, just like their overall competitiveness and uh, Sean McVay as a coach. So that'll be a really big test for them. And then they go to play. They go home to play against the Saints, who the Packers were able to beat tonight. And will the Bears be in a position after those next four games to say, "Hey, we're ready to test ourselves against the NFC's elite," or? Had they struggled their way to making it quite clear that they're um, not really on that level, even from a competitive standpoint, let alone just being in that in that tier of expectation. And then if you look at the rest of the schedule, the Titans, they are three and oh as well, but in a very Bearsy sort of way. It's just been awfully close for them throughout. A really good team, but uh, they're fortunate to be in that position. Then you got the Vikings. The Vikings are 0 and three, ladies and gentlemen. I'm gonna say that twice. The Vikings are O. And three, and it's fucking delicious. So we got two Vikings games coming up, and then that's when all the the uh, the division games happen. It's the Vikings, the Packers, and the Lions all right in a row leading into December, and then the Texans, who are zero and three, back to the Vikings, the Jaguars, who uh, I love Minshew Magic as much as anybody. By the way, I really love the nickname Big League Shoe, and every time I say it, I get told I'm a fucking idiot. So. Big league shoe, good or not good? Let me know. And then, of course, the last game of the year, home game on the 3rd of January in 2021, when this god-awful year will be done, the Packers come to Chicago to play the Bears. Look, it, it isn't silly to think that the Bears are a wild-card team. They're atop the division. They're tied atop the division with <laughs> – uh, with Green Bay, and I just wanted to highlight the the point differentials. So let me just pull that up really quick here because I had it uh, earlier. Let's see. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. The Packers are so much better than Chicago right now. Uh, the Bears are three and zero with a point differential of twelve seventy four seventy four points for sixty two points against differential of twelve. The Green Bay Packers, uh, 122 points for, 85 against. Quick idiot math, that's 37 points difference. So uh, Green Bay is the class of the league and one of the top teams in the NFC. I don't really feel great about saying that, but Aaron Rodgers is back. They have a powerful run game. They seem to have a dynamic offense overall. We'll see where they get to mid-end of the season. Uh, they don't have a ton of depth, but who does these days? And then you have Detroit at one and two managed to beat Arizona today. A little bit of payback for last year losing. Or did they tie? I think they tied their week one affair where they blew it late. And then Minnesota's in the dregs. They have a really, 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 really bad uh, defensive secondary. There's a ton of turnover there. And this was, you know, I think for them, for their sake, kind of like a reloading slash rebuilding year with all the, the veterans that they had to let go. They've had some injuries, and you got Kirk Cousins trying to throw them back into games. So I don't feel particularly bad about saying the Minnesota Vikings might have a trash year. You look at all that, and you go, hey, man, 
if Nick Foles can come in, if he can manage this team forward, if he can just make the plays that are there to be made and uh, be a field general and let guys know that they're in the right positions and make the right calls at the line of scrimmage, this is this could be a playoff team. And that's all we've really been able to hope for. So, again, uh, I say goodbye to the Mitch Trubisky era. I say maybe we'll see you down the line as a zombie. But uh, as it was, as it will be, uh, that is the end. In week three of 2020, I had called it. I said at halftime of week three, uh, he would get pulled for a bad interception. Check the receipts. Yeah. What a shame, man. What a shame. I really wish he was able to do it. Add him to the list of god-awful Bears quarterbacks we've experienced in our lifetime. The search for true love continues. It isn't Mitch Trubisky. My heart hurts. I am scarred. I am cynical. We'll never know love. That's it for here. We'll see you next week. 3-0 Victory Sunday. Go fucking Bears. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.